Welcome back to another episode of Seven Figure Music School. I'm Daniel, this is Nate, and in this episode, we're doing something a little bit different. Much of the time, we choose topics and use stories from the past as teaching tools around that topic. But we're not gonna do that today. Today, we're going into the unknown. We're gonna talk about an experiment that Nate is running at Brooklyn Music Factory right now. So in today's episode, we're talking about why Nate completely changed his teacher training system in his school at the end of 2022, what he put in its place, what you can learn from BMF's old system versus its new system, how to keep veteran teachers in your school, how to train new teachers in your school, and how to take the pressure off of you or a key staff member to do all of the teacher training in your school. All that and more right after this. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio, and we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. So to begin with, Nate, you had a great teacher training system in place at BMF and you burned it to the ground and you built something new in its place. So first off, can you tell me how Brooklyn Music Factory historically trained teachers to be a great resource for your school? Yeah. So we followed sort of all of the best practices, which is you know, which are things like create a teaching manual. Warts and all doesn't matter, but we created something. I remember sitting down and writing in my pages doc on the on my laptop the first version of this a dozen years ago. We started department meetings. So if you taught guitar, we you showed up every week to a, a guitar department meeting. Eventually we started an all staff meeting, which was a really good move culturally to try to bring everyone together. First Friday of every month we did that. Um, and then, of course, we also just did the normal training, i.e. you put out fires as they arise. You know, a teacher loses a star student and and, the, and they freak out and you have to sit down with them and talk mm-hmm. through it. So, so we kind of did that. You know, your normal, like, you've got some version of asynchronous training, i.e. a manual or some kind of handful of videos that you ask them to watch. And then you, you show up for department meetings and you troubleshoot. Um, and then finally, you just kind of put out fires as they arose. So that's what we've been testing variations of for, you know, since the day we opened, honestly. Okay. What's interesting about this, to me at least, is that over the past 50-something episodes, 55 episodes, we have regularly touched on this team piece of the business. Um, and we've talked about even components of your training system, Going back a year. And we've been doing this podcast long enough now that we're actually talking about changing something that even in past episodes, we've said, hey, this is a good way to do things. So Mm, mm. before we move into why you felt this was necessary, maybe let's just dwell for a second on what was great about the system that you had been using before and what its purpose was. Like, you had this system in place unto a 
particular goal. So what was great about that system and what was the goal you were reaching for in the way that you were doing training at the time? So first of all, um, I touched on this idea of a manual. Any version of sort of training that is a reference piece, that is super valuable. And the purpose behind that starts with the founder or those people within the organization that actually write the manual because it gives them an opportunity to codify what truly matters in their methods or within their program. So um, that still lives. We just literally did a refinement of that. And what's fascinating about that is we're probably on our fourth or fifth draft of our private lesson songwriting uh, um, uh, method manual. And and I'm not even doing the revisions anymore. Davis, in our who directs our drum department, is the one who revised the manual the last time. Let's move on to the next type of things. We did department meetings. So I'm going to be honest. The department meeting actually started at BMF in this studio because this is literally where our school started. This is my basement studio now in Brooklyn. Um, but this is where we taught every private lesson for the first like couple of years, I think. And we used to hold what we called piano summits. Um, And the piano summit was our first attempt at a department meeting. And all that meant is we got our piano teachers together and we just sat and roundtabled student stories and challenges that the teachers were having with a specific student. And we tried to come up with brainstorms of how to approach it in a more fun, gamified way, right? Which was sort of the genesis of our game-based learning was just those piano summits, So those inspired, we were like, well, if it works, we did those for probably like a year. And the reason why I was only the piano teachers is super obvious to our listeners because I was a piano teacher. I'm the founder. So I was like, hey, I want to get the piano teachers together. Of course, now in hindsight, it's pretty lame that I wasn't also inviting our guitar teachers, our drum teacher, our voice teachers. But I just was, you know, early on in our development. So I could only think about um, you know, my own students and the other teachers that were approaching that or working with them. So anyways, when we developed department meetings, um, that was kind of the next step on the summit. And honestly, Daniel, this is one of the areas where I think, you know, I just in hindsight, I think I made a mistake, which is one of the inspirations for changing now, which was I looked at sort of the college, the university model, and I was like, well, they do it in universities, You know, they have their piano department, they have their guitar department, they have their jazz ensemble, you know, jazz department. Let's just mirror that at Brooklyn Music Factory and try to get these, you know, focused brain trusts together based on instrument. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyways, we tested that for a long time. And uh, the purpose was is pretty simple and straightforward, which is we thought that every instrument had its own unique teaching challenge. In hindsight, Mm -hmm. I think that's a that's not the case. I think there are much more important um, aspects of teaching that we want to train to that are not instrument specific. In fact, the technique on the instrument or how to approach the instrument specifically, that's kind of pretty way far down for us in terms of what needs to be trained because, you know, we're bringing on musicians who are educators first and those musicians have experience within the instrument that they're teaching. And I'm not so concerned about the technique piece, because usually that teacher comes in with most confident about their technique piece. Um, So anyways, we did department meetings because we thought that we needed to train to every single instrument and every single instrument was unique in its its, uh, teaching challenge. 
Uh, the last piece was the all staff, right? The all staff, I think, is sort of one of those concepts that we borrowed from, well, we learned it from some some leadership training, et cetera. But, and so the all staff is, you know, the purpose is pretty straightforward. You're trying to get everyone to gather together if for no other reason than to realize that they're part of something bigger than themselves. That's basically mm-hmm. the purpose of the all staff. Hmm. Now, why did we shift our plan this year? Well, because I think we sort of started, um, we started getting a lot of feedback on the value of the all staff to our staff, which is not that huge, right? And and so we started learning that they actually wanted something different, which we'll get into in a minute. But at its core, that's the value of the all staff. So Nate, in summary, it sounds like what I'm hearing is that you had a hiring process that screened for teachers that could be teachable. They came in and their training process involved these manuals that showed how to run the various programs at BMF. You had department meetings that would foster community amongst the teachers of a specific instrument. And then you had these all staff meetings that were designed to demonstrate and exemplify the importance of the community of teachers as a whole at BMF. Does that feel like a good summary of what you've said there? Yeah, I'd say, of course, there there are lots of details within the department meeting. Right. Um, for example, as we you know got towards you know end of our uh, gig season, of course, those department meetings became highly logistical, making sure that everybody knew how to succeed on a gig. And of course, within the all staffs, we would do things like review contracts as a community. So we'd literally just have open contract review sessions and read through them together, so everybody understood what they were signing. We would do things like tons of, we would do lots of speed songwriting together in the all staff to sort of uh, model our whole purpose, which is songwriting and collaboration. Um, so there's lots of details within these departments, um, but the, but the, your summary is accurate. You know, that okay. that's the, there's, you know, at the foundational, it's, it's cultural, it's connection, it's building community and it's giving cross support to one another. Okay. Then here's the next question. And it's what we hinted at at the beginning of the episode. What wasn't working about that system and why did you change it? Nice. Yeah. So I think it's important to clarify here something. We didn't, we're not a hundred percent burning down what's there, right? Because, because it's, it's, it's instead, I'd actually frame it slightly different, Daniel, which is, that everything's up for inspection. Maybe not all the time, because that's overwhelming for us as owners, but on an annual basis, things like when you're asking time of others, we it really deserves a deeper look and an inspection as to what the true value is there and whether everybody's getting uh, the value from that ask. So... Um, when we say what wasn't working, I'd say the number one thing that we lean on is um, feedback from our faculty and staff. I mean, we've talked about this before. There's nothing sexy and glamorous about how we do it at BMF. I'm literally going to do it next week. It's just a Google form. I just feel, I literally ask things like, what's working really well for you right now in our new, we call it, um, we have different names for it, but now we've replaced the all staff and we'll get into this in a second. 
but we've replaced the all staff with a three hour deep dive group training mm. once a month, right? We've actually torpedoed our department meetings. We've um, almost not exclusively, not entirely. There's one we keep, we kept, but we torpedoed our all staff meeting. We torpedoed our department meetings uh, and we turned it into a three hour deep dive training with all okay. the faculty once a month. And in advance of that, um, I will literally just send them a survey and be like, what has been really beneficial to you from the first couple few months of doing this? Um, what ha- what questions remain for you? And if there was some part of this that you would leave behind, what would it be? You know, so so when you asked what wasn't working, honestly, we just got a lot of kind of potent feedback from from faculty that were current faculty and then also faculty that were leaving in their exit interview. We heard we heard language like, you know, hey, or I heard language like, Nate, I'm showing up to department meetings. And honestly, a lot of the same challenges are being brought up in both the guitar department and the voice department and the piano department, all three of which I'm in because I teach all three instruments. And it feels like we're not really covering new territory in each department for me. Um, that was that was some classic feedback. Other people said uh, this was a fascinating piece to me in the feedback that I got by um, one of our longtime teachers who I just adored, Sergio, who's now has his own record label and is doing awesome things. But he said um, he said. Uh, he was like, Nate, you know, one of the most valuable pieces of training I would get would be the 30 minutes before I'd start teaching, we'd be hanging out over by the coffee station because we had this little pour over coffee station and stuff for our teachers. And we'd be hanging out there and another teacher would and I would start talking about a game that's working really well in their lesson. And he was like, a lot of that sort of almost, it's like, it's like the it's, you know, it's like the water cooler talk. He's like, I found that to be the most valuable for me. Um, I would learn a game 15 minutes before I'd start my teaching day. And it would just be, a, 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 you know, it would just be a serendipitous encounter. It would just be something that just happened. It wouldn't be something that was an organized training moment. Um, so we would get little details like that that would make me think, huh, you know, here we are asking all of this time from our teachers. We're asking them from to the, the we're asking for them to consistently show up and commit to these meetings, and they're telling me that maybe they're not getting as much value as I thought they'd get. And some of the most potent training opportunities or learning opportunities were coming at unscheduled time. Now, Daniel, you know that I'm a numbers guy. So the other piece for me was I'm always looking at the budget and I'm saying, how much of our resources are we allocating to something like a department meeting or an all staff meeting? I want to put this in real number terms for people. When we'd have a department meeting that would, I remember saying this in an advanced band department. I was, I was leading the department for a couple of years. um, And we'd had, we had something like seven teachers there because we had a lot, of, a lot of advanced bands and they were all there. And each one maybe only taught like one band. And I looked at them and I said, okay, we have a precious 60 minutes together. And in this, it, at this point, I think we were doing it once. Maybe we were doing it once a week, actually. 
Wow. Um, and I'd said, and there's seven of you for 60 minutes. Does anybody know what that costs us in terms of dollars? And I'd open the meeting and, and, and I'd say, it's about you know, $480 that this next hour is going to cost us. We're investing that much in dollars. And plus we're investing not one hour, it's seven humans times an hour. It's seven hours of time that we're investing into this next 60 minutes. How do we want to spend this 60 minutes? That's how I'd open the meeting. And and I'd look at them and I'd be like, because if we're not going to get some sort of transformative outcome from this next 60 minutes, I'd much rather give one of you the $480 and have you buy a piece of gear that you think we desperately need in the advanced band room. Right? Mm. And let's save seven hours of our time. Mm. And so that's a really important thing for our listeners to contemplate, to literally write down that little story and be like, okay, every time I'm asking for people's time, it's both a dollar and an cumulative hours. Right. And I can't remember where I read this, um, but when I first read that, con- it's certainly not my concept. I read it somewhere in one of these. And, and I just thought, wow, dude, do not waste an hour of this time mm. for both financial reasons and for the benefit of these humans. Cause seven hours is a lot of time, Daniel, you and I, you know, you and I talk all the time on this podcast about how to be most efficient with our time. Yeah. So we don't waste our listeners time. So we don't waste, you know, I don't waste your time, et cetera, because it's so valuable. Maybe that's a good pause point because that's that's actually what led me. This these are the ideas that led me to say, "Hmm, it's time to start rethinking." Yeah, how we do training. Did you get any feedback from your team or your teachers about the the large number of meetings that were happening? Oh, totes. I remember uh, one of the most, you know how like you have these little gut punch moments where you're just like, ooh, that kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one of the times that that hit me was a current teacher said to me, Nate, we were doing opening a hiring funnel. And and we of course, we always start with our current teachers. He's like, hey, we're looking for a new drum teacher. Can you please share this, you know, opportunity in your network? And one of the teachers pulled me aside and was like, you know, Nate, it's it's a little bit tricky because the word on the street is like BMF is an amazing place to meet. I mean, to work rather, but there's so many meetings. And and my friends are like, is that the place with so many meetings? And I was just like, wait, what? Because, Daniel, it's so important to remember that in my head, I don't think of any of them as meetings. I think of them as like learning opportunities for everyone, myself and the teachers or myself and the staff. Whatever the meeting is, it's like some opportunity. And, of course, that's valuable in a way because it keeps me optimistic about the future and what we can do. But 
It's not so good when my blinders are on and I don't realize that some of the people in the room are just like begrudgingly showing up, mm. you know? And so that was one of those moments where I was like, huh, wait a minute. There's another piece of feedback that was super valuable for me. Longtime member of our community. Um, she started as a teacher. She moved on to other roles in the company. And um, for a long time, she reported to me and we worked really closely together for like for, for a couple few years after she stopped teaching. And she said, she just confided in me and she's like, Nate, I really think that some of our meetings, we just need to be much more mindful and efficient with the time. And she had come from a corporate background for years. And she, she said when she got there, she was kind of like, what are we doing? We have 60 minutes. We need to make sure that every we're, that we're hitting every point on the agenda and everybody's getting value out of every um, point on the agenda. And it just feels like we get caught in the intro. And before we know it, we're out of time or we're running over time. And actually, one of the comments she made is like, man, our meetings go on way too long. Hmm. And, you know, they say that, you know, the fish stinks at the head. It's like, <laughs> this is classic Nate Shaw, you know? Like, I remember our, my band meetings. We would have these closed-door six, seven-hour band meetings as we were trying to figure out what the next year, you know, what kind of tours we were going to do, what kind of record we were going to make. We'd have these eternal meetings and even my wife would comment on the length of these band meetings that I would used to have. Um, and I just thought, man, Nate, you're just like, you're so psyched. And then it just drags on and on hmm. for everybody else in the room. And so that was another piece of feedback that I got from someone on the team that, you know, I just, I totally appreciated. And I think, you know, just as a side note, Daniel, as, as we talk about often, it's it's really humbling to be the founder of a music school because at first you're so psyched because you're probably like an A plus teacher with a group of students that just are super and families that are super committed to you. And then you start a business and you realize there's so many facets of what it means to run a business that you're like C minus at. Hmm. And so here you are thriving in the classroom and just crushing it. It's your like authentic space. And then over here, you're just barely head, head above water in so many roles as like CEO, founder, marketing director, da, 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 da. And I think that that's just, you know, we just have to own that that's our reality as we evolve as owners. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. I think what's interesting, what strikes me about what you said there is 
there's a principle at play that is a that looms large in my mind when I think about marketing. It's really easy for us to get trapped in our own perspective. This is true in marketing, and it sounds like it was what was at play here for you. This feedback, you you called it a gut punch. Well, typically you don't describe something as a gut punch. Something described as a gut punch comes as a surprise. <laughs> and so mm. you were surprised about this yes. perspective that the teachers had and that the word on the street, even for people outside of the, the business, were saying that your brand was synonymous with long meetings, having to spend a lot of time in meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And your perspective was, oh, this is of great value to these teachers, yeah. I'm I'm actually investing this money in in helping these teachers, but that wasn't the perspective from the teachers. And so mm. I would just say that I think it's really cool that you're open to hearing that feedback, and I think it's cool that you've created an environment where those teachers had the freedom to give that feedback to you, or at least you know that one particular person in that moment did, and. I would just admonish or encourage the audience, uh, whoever's listening right now, to, to take this perspective in many different areas of the business. Yes. Every week I work with school owners and studio owners on their marketing. And one of the things that I find to be one of the greatest challenges when working with these folks is their inability to see their own product or their own business from any other, other perspective than their own. Now, I don't judge them for that. It's very hard to get outside of your perspective and it takes a real shift in how you view things because even hearing that we're trapped in it doesn't help us to see the way that we're trapped. So in other words, just giving people the information that, yeah, the people who would, the, the parents or the adults who would sign up for your program, yeah, they don't view mm. it the way that you do. Even having that knowledge doesn't help them see that perspective. They really have to, to dedicate a lot of time to customer research, learning how to think like the customer, the uh, learning the process of thinking like the customer. In this case, you're talking about the process of learning to think like the teacher. And so, yes. yeah, I think my encouragement would just be to, to, um, to take a look at a lot of different areas in your business and, and, and be aware that so much that could be improved or so much that could be um, made simpler often lies in gaining the perspective of other stakeholders or patrons of your business mm. and mm. allowing yourself to be open to that is, is really um, can be really crucial. So Nate, I think that's I think you've really been clear on what wasn't working. Why did you change it? You know, those questions that I asked, I think as we go into the close, I would ask, what did you put in its place? And yeah. why did you put this in place? So um, what we've replaced it with, I just sort of alluded to earlier, um, but there were essentially two conclusions I came to. Mm. Number one was that we have two types of teachers. We have brand new teachers to BMF 
They may not be brand new teachers, i.e. they've been educating for a while, but they're new to our method. They're new to that, that fluency-first, game-based approach um, that focuses on collaborative songwriting. Okay. And that's a pretty radical shift for almost anybody to conceive of. It's rare that we get someone who's like, oh, yeah, I've been playing games with my students for 10 years, you know? Um, so we have this new – so I, I said, okay, wait. We also have veteran teachers. We have teachers – you know, like Greg or Davis right now that have been around for years that have helped develop some of the games that have literally created a lot of the skills and drills materials on instruments, guitar or drums or piano that these teachers will be using in their lessons. Um, and so I needed to start honoring that we had different classes of teachers, not classes in terms of tiers, but I mean like a group Right, you had this aggregate over here. There, there are four or five new teachers that are just starting their first season, and they need a different type of attention. And then you have these veteran teachers that have been doing it a long time, and I don't want to forget about them and just to make assumptions around them. And so we needed to come up with a model that allowed both of those to work together and to both have an opportunity to grow. So what we replaced it with. Uh, keep that in mind as I get to this. We replaced it with a three-hour deep dive that is prepared by both the, a couple of those veteran teachers, Ben, our private lesson director, who's a, a mega veteran, and myself. We prepared the three-hour agenda together. And here's a really important piece of this three-hour agenda is we ensured I, I, you know, Ben and I sort of measure success by how little we talk in it. And so what we did is we started empowering. I would set a vision for what I, I wanted us to get out of these three hours. I would define what failure would be and I would define what success would be. An example for success on our last one is we're in the middle of uh, what we call um, song prep. It's literally just like the kids are learning how to play these song forms on whatever instrument they're doing. They're writing lyrics for the original song. They're just actually getting their parts together, right? That's all. They, it's five weeks of just trying to get it so that their body can actually do the thing on the instrument, get through the whole song form, you know, play the chord changes, play the groove, keep it in time, da-da-da-da-da. Now, I said the definition of success is at the end of these three hours – we as a community know where we'll be in five weeks and that we have some very concrete tools and tactics to help get us there. Doesn't matter what instrument, just know as a community, we're all going to get our student population to this point, right? Failure, failure will be, would be at the end of three hours, people do not have a clear picture of where they need to be, who they can turn to if they're having trouble, and what their number one, you know, what the three to five tactics are that are going to get them there, right? So notice who they can turn to if they're having trouble. So this new version of deep dive training is show up for three hours, which is a long time, right? Stay engaged for three solid hours. And make sure that our veteran teachers all understand what success looks like and failure looks like at the end of those three hours 
and that they are par- partly responsible for getting the entire squad there. So they're leading a 30-minute session where they're leading multiple 30-minute sessions. We break them into 30-minute chunks. So, you know, it's six 30-minute, um, you know, six 30-minute mini classes within the three hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also open the three hours with a 30-minute bagels and coffee, which we supply, and pastries. And so anyone can show up 30 minutes early. We talked about this before. Just make the hang. And then we always, always include speed song writing as part of it, which means that we break all the faculty up into groups and we give them the same songwriting templates we're asking our students to use, they get to use, the same sort of lyric writing worksheets and prompts that our students have to use, they use, and they have 15 minutes to write a song together as a group of faculty and they have to come back and perform their song on the main stage for the rest of the faculty. Why do we do that? Because there is no better way to model what you're trying to ask your students to do and, be, and, and, and develop empathy for what your students are doing than to do it yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, we're just modeling literally our purpose and our methods in that speed song. So that's what we've replaced it to. And I'd be lying to say that it's working perfectly to date. We've only been doing it for a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that we are, you know, like Ben and I are confident enough in it that we're going to continue to test it through the end of this year. And as the second piece I was going to add that my uh, coach mentioned to me, she's like, Nate, sometimes something needs a re-sparkalizing and sometimes your system needs a revisiting and an innovating. I feel like right now we're not re-sparkalizing a department meeting. We're innovating Hmm. and trying a new model. Hmm. Okay. So that's what, that's, 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 that's the foundational training piece right now. So Nate, maybe as kind of a final thought here, when we were talking about this episode, you had mentioned a concept to me, that I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about before when it comes to managing a a music school. Um, And it was such a finely tuned point that one of the major motivations I had for even doing this particular episode was when you said this, Mm. like I just instantly knew, oh, we've got to talk about that. And it's the idea of um, new teachers in your business versus veteran teachers and the, and the different needs that they have. And this being one of the drivers for this change for you, in reality, we maybe even should have started the episode with this. I don't know. Um, but I feel like I'd really love to kind of revisit that topic with you and, and hear your thoughts on, on that in this moment. And that distinction and and why it was such a motivator for you to make changes alongside with all of the other things that you've mentioned over the past, uh, you know, little bit as we've had this conversation. So could we dive into that idea, the idea of those, those needs that those two different groups of teachers have? Yeah, totally. I think one of the, one of the, um, found the core principles here is this, um, and this has been, this has been hammered into me over the years, which is that 
you got to always start with the why. You and I talk about this all the time, the purpose, which leads to what the culture of your school is going to be, mm-hmm. right? And so the veteran teachers have been really con- considering this for years. You know, we have very, I have very deep, deep conversations with, you know, like I mentioned, Davis, who's been with us for years and years around how, around our purpose. We're so crystal clear about the purpose of why BMF does it the way it does, does it and what the outcome is supposed to be. That we really have deep conversations around how to frame that effectively for parents. And one of the things that we sort of have realized is that for new teachers entering our culture, that is actually one of the most slippery pieces to learn, which is what is the purpose and getting really understanding very clearly how as a teacher, the choices we make in this classroom around the methods, literally every minute of a 45-minute piano lesson is, um, is profound in whether or not it delivers on our promise and moves that student towards feeling more confident in her creativity and prepared to collaborate on a stage around an original piece of music that she has helped compose, right? That those new teachers actually need a lot more time and attention, not just around the what, the methods, like do they know how to play our big music games effectively, but really on the why. Mm. Like, why are you here versus any other music school in America teaching? Mm. I'm, uh, let me say that again, because this is so, so important. Your veteran teachers, if you're doing it right, really have not only understand the choices they've made to teach in your program, They understand that culture. They understand your values, your why behind you even, why you started the thing, right? They are then invaluable for sharing that message with new teachers. And here's a little little secret, which is that I, as a founder, also who believes wholly in our purpose, so much so that when we're done recording this podcast, I'll immediately open up an Evernote and start sketching out a new game to play with all of our students at BMF because I've been thinking about it since I woke up. Just I love how and why. I love what we do, why we do it, and how we do it. The mm-hmm. secret is, though, that I'm also these teachers' boss. I'm also the one who meets with Leah and makes sure that they get paid and signs their checks. So I'm not always the best messenger when it comes to training, purpose, method, Hmm. right? It's a little bit, it's kind of a bummer to be an owner eventually and realize as your program grows that this new class of teachers, yeah, they know and trust me. I mean, I'm a pretty open, vulnerable guy, but they also know that if something doesn't go right, I'm the per- the buck stops with me. I'm the one who's going to be make the choice to unhire them, mm. and that kind of sucks. Like I, but I own that now as an owner, mm. and so those veteran teachers you have that then get in and engaged as part of the training, 
And we say training, but what we really mean is just like supporting and continuing to help transform the new class of teachers. Their role becomes so, so important to you as an owner. Hmm. Um, yeah. So I would say that's really the foundational pieces. The vets help with the culture, the purpose, and linking the method to the purpose. Wow. Is there any other thoughts you have, Nate, as we close here? Any, anything that you feel like we didn't explore or a thought that you wanted to give? Obviously, I think you'll keep us updated throughout the year this oh, year yeah. as, as uh, you see the impact that this system has on uh, results at BMF and uh, maybe unintended consequences of getting rid of some of the previous structures that you had in place, unintended consequences, good or bad of the new system. I know that you'll kind of keep us updated. We might even revisit this in a future episode, but any other thoughts as we close? Just that, you know, um, back to my coach's comment around resparkalizing. there are absolutely pieces of training that we've kept in place. For example, mm. Ben continues to do his one-on-one -on -one check ins once a month with every teacher. Ben is a great listener, and that's an opportunity for a teacher to bring any issue they have to him. We also continue to do what we have a new class of teachers check in that Ben leads, and it's literally just wins and challenges. And he and it's only the four or five teachers that have just started that season, and he meets with them, and it's. 30 minutes, hey, lists some of your wins and some of your challenges, right? Um, you know, so it's not that you, it's not that I am a proponent of just like burning down the house and rebuilding the whole thing. I'm saying, take a look at what needs some innovation. Take it and look at what needs some deeper contemplation by you. And then be confident enough to make a bold choice and invest your creative energy into it and then your precious few dollars into it. And then as you said, Daniel, which I hope we do, is maybe we do an episode, you know, I don't know, three, four, five months from now where we circle back and we just basically do an audit of some of Nate's choices. You know, mm. what seems to have worked? Um, what's troublesome? I'll, I'll leave us with a question here that I have. So when we got rid of the all staff, well, what happened? A lot of our staff no longer shows up to these communal meetings. Mm. So their only contact with people uh, week in, week out, week out, you know, like Jessica, our director of enrollments, said, well, yeah, they'll see one another at the, at the school, but there's no organized connect, really. And so it's a lot of Slack messages and a lot of bumping into each other in the hallway. And I have a real big question around that, around the whole communal culture. So what we're testing is like beers. What do we, what do we call them? Oh yeah. There's this place there. Oh yeah. You visited when you were in Brooklyn, Daniel, you came and visited us there, but you know, they yeah. have great um, dumplings. It's like a little dumpling food truck plus an awesome microbrewery. So basically, we just like open tab six to eight. Anyone wants to come on a Friday, we do it once a month. Mm. And, and that's an opportunity for anybody to show up and just hang. Right. Mm. And we hope that our staff will come. Um, but I have a real question around that. Like, are we going to are we going to going to maintain 
the great culture we have as a community of employees here at BMF moving forward. So uh, I'm mm. still, I'm still, uh, I don't know about that piece yet, but okay. I look forward to revisiting this. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.